testing, testing, testing. Good. I think I'm good. All right, let's do it. Yo, yo, yo. Back. We are back. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Racing Goons podcast. Hang out with us as we break down the Italian GP at Monza. We'll also get into more developments in my iRacing PC build and Phil's new love for the Lotus 79. Gosh, Here I we love go. that car. <laughs> Thing is awesome. Are we ready for my intro? Are let's we hear it. ready? Send it. And I'm actually doing it on the uh, new mic, so let's see how it sounds. All right. I don't know if that was that, there wasn't a lot of energy in that one, man. There wasn't. Let's hear that. Yeah, come on, let's hear that thing. Dude, I thought I brought it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is good stuff. Well, hey, I wanted to take a second and just kind of plug Philippe's business. Um, yes, that's awesome. We haven't really talked too much about what you do. So um, Phil is is like the, the master coach when it comes to, um, well, it's probably better if you explain it, but, but I know from my experience, Philippe trained me to get me ready for GT Academy and it was like a really high intensity kind of um, short-term workout for me. I only had like, what, three weeks or something? Yeah, um, to get you right. So, so that was like a lot of high energy stuff, but just an awesome coach and really puts the pressure on when it needs to be put on. But you, you tell us more about what you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, as you guys will learn throughout, um, I was an Olympic level athlete. Uh, I trained with the intention of making an Olympic team. Unfortunately, that never happened, but I got pretty close. I competed in the 2012 Olympic trials as a sprinter competing in the 100 meter dash. And, um, that was just my dream. Uh, but with all that experience, I just wanted to share that with children and just develop kids and find those kids who could perhaps benefit from my training and just my experience in the world of track and field. So I used those talents and expanded it into what we call sports performance training. And just in short, sports performance training is just about getting people bigger, faster, and stronger. And over about a good 12-year period, I've had a successful run at being a performance coach. And that's just what I do for kids. So if you guys ever want to hit me up, you can find me first on Racing Goons Media, and I can explain more about it on my private email from there hell yeah good stuff right. yeah well why don't you well send send us into the uh the episode here yeah we got a few things to talk about don't you think yes sir all right we're <laughs> back at it again for another episode of the racing goons podcast we're going to take this opportunity just to break down the italian gp at monza where ferrari looked to have a chance at winning but were once again denied by Max's superior form and really superior team, superior car, superior everything. It just seems like everything is working out for Max this season. Um, and you know what? That's not his fault. That's not anybody's fault. I do think that, not to just jump the gun, I do think that, you know, when you prepare so diligently as Red Bull has over the years, uh, yeah. this is the type of success that you get. And, um, Obviously, he's going to get some negative comments from a lot of people, especially Lewis Hamilton fans. But look, I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan. Tom is a big Lewis Hamilton fan. Uh, yeah, gotta you got to give uh, give credit where it's due, right? I mean, Red Bull's Definitely. been on another level this year. So Definitely. good on them. But there was a little bit of drama in this race, don't you think? Yeah, there was definitely some drama in this race. I mean, once again, kind of hampered by a safety car. But, but uh, I mean, overall, I think it was going to be another really 
good race and see how the strategy plays out and see what you know what would have happened in the end but max well, was look, just max again he was but look guys before we dig into that we are majority in f1 podcast but i want to take the opportunity just to give a huge congratulations to will power he's actually one of my favorite indy car drivers he's somebody i've been following for a very long time and uh he recently won the uh indy car championship uh at laguna seca at 41 years old what do you think about that it's pretty awesome man and yeah i like will power too he's like a really passionate driver and has yeah. has an attitude also that's fun to listen Lo- to i loved it i loved yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, one. man. So we'll have to watch more indie races together and kind of get get that mixed up into the podcast here and there. We but, will. Um, but with F one, you know, Ferrari looked to have the pace this weekend. Leclerc definitely had the uh, benefit of starting up front and and had the chance to kind of run with this thing. But Max once again just like he went from P seven to P two in no time. Just you superior know. form. Mm-hmm. Uh, a superior car. Um, the only thing that kind of puts a what can how can I say it? It puts a a little bit of a negative viewpoint on it, is that his teammate Sergio Perez really can't match the pace. Um, yeah, I mean he's You know, you think about where he finished, and you have Leclerc, not Leclerc. You had Signs and Hamilton come through the field, and both of them got in front of Perez. So, but, but what is the cause of that? Is that Red Bull putting everything into Max? I think it's pretty common. You always have like one driver, unless both drivers have the same driving style, which is, you know, this car is obviously designed more around Max. Um, so Sergio is always going to struggle a little bit unless he um, kind of changes his driving style and, and um, kind of matches what Max is doing in all the turns. But that's easier said than done. It's, it's really right. It's not even the case for most drivers anyway. They all kind of have their own style and their own thing that they do, and um, not many of them really adjust to another driver's style. Right. Is it more expensive, perhaps, to focus on two different style of drivers? So, Because I always, uh, especially earlier in my like watching of, of F1, I always wondered why you know, the second driver just couldn't match what the top driver was doing is it because of skill or is it because you know the team are just literally putting all of their computational force behind one driver and kind of leaving the other driver out there to dry yeah well i i know that they they'll always bring different components and they'll test them on both cars and they'll see like hey maybe the front wing on this guy's car performs better for that driver but the other driver might not be able to handle it the same um so i think they just use both drivers for you know for development period um but they'll always they'll always take that number one driver and and build the car around him right takes me Um, back to that that 2010 uh british grand prix where it's almost like red bull chosen their number one driver i mean they were in a serious fight uh between well mark weber and, and sebastian vettel were in a serious fight for the championship that year right yeah, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I remember Mark Webber. Don't quote me exactly. Infamously said at the end of the race, I believe he won that year. He said, "Not bad for a number two driver." <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. because 
Well, Weber was salty, man, because he was like the older guy, and you have Vettel coming through, being the young guy, and and kind of like takes over right away. You know, he just walks in, barges in, and it's just like I'm I'm the new hot shit in F1. But get didn't out, get Red, out of my way, right? <laughs> but didn't didn't Red Bull give like this ultra spec wing front wing to Vettel instead of Weber? They took it off of Weber's car and gave it to Vettel. If I can remember correctly, yes, that was probably one of those moments where they were like, "Okay, we're going to test this out on one car, and if it works well, we'll put it on the other." I mean, it could have been their plan all along, um, but uh, no, I don't know, man. They probably just yeah. decided Vettel's their guy now. Let's, let's right. roll with this. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. And maybe that's, that's Weber was doing his duty as the number two. Yeah, that's the business, though. It's kind of heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life yeah. in F one. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. So Nick DeVries or DeVries, he filled in for Albon this weekend who was out with appendicitis. Um, Ouch. And dude finished P9 on debut, which is Christ. awesome. And, in a Williams. And, <laughs> in a Williams and um, is 20th in the championship out of 22 drivers. <laughs> <laughs> with two points. Oh, my gosh. I read um, a meme somewhere where i mean it was pretty cool i mean it's obvious it it said it basically had albon george russell uh defreeze and um uh, uh latifi all on the board <laughs> and apparently it took russell 48 races before he got score, points before he got points yeah but it yeah. took defreeze one race before mm-hmm. he got points he definitely had um, a pretty good car this weekend. The Williams seem to have really good straight line speed, and and in like a low downforce setting, they do pretty well. But right. Russell was in that seat, you know. Um, Latifi's behind where Devries finished, and I mean, I, I don't know how Albon would have done. He's he seems to be doing pretty well this year, so he might have been able to get up there as well. But um, yeah, yeah, for Nick to come fill in like that last minute, I mean, all he did was. P, like FP3 and then qualify and then right. he's in the car for his first race in F1. Right. Well, he did do an FP1 with Aston. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but definitely yeah, but even, even to go from two different cars. Yeah. 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 He's definitely the future and I, and I like his career too. You know, he's, he's actually one of those guys that is talented in multiple different classes, right? I mean, he's an yeah. F2 champion and an FE champion. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. from what these guys say, that FE car is, is, is a different beast in, in of its own. It's a different sure. car to drive. Yeah, big heavy thing. Yeah, let alone to be successful at. And they, they ride so stiff. Well, all the circuits that they run are, are typically kind of bumpy anyway, but you see those cars like bouncing all over the place in Formula E. Right. They're really right. stiff. Definitely. Congrats to him. I'm looking forward to like his future in F1. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure this means that he, he basically solidified his seat for next year. We just don't know which team is going to be with, but I'm pretty sure he will be on the grid next year. Yeah, and it'll be good to have him on there. Yeah. Definitely. So speaking of the grid, the, this week's race at Monza was like mixed up once again with all kinds of penalties, of course. And Max started P7. Signs was, what, 18th? Hamilton 19th? Yeah. Um, and, you know, both Sainz and Hamilton pushed through the field and, and scored points, good points for both of them. 
Right. Yeah, we already it talked about like Max started in P7 and pushed right through um, up to the front. Yeah, you know, from what I can remember, I mean, it looked like Sainz got right through kind of quickly, but it looked like with Hamilton, it took him a while to get through. Yeah, he didn't really make up much ground until like pit stop rotations started. Right. And, um, right. and he ran a little bit longer and was able to make up room that way. But, but Sainz, man, it was fun to watch him. He was able to pass people. But I mean, the Ferrari having all that power down the straight, it made things a little easier for him where Hamilton doesn't have that straight line pace, you know? Right. Um, but no, it was, it was good to see Sainz in the Ferrari at Monza making all those moves. I mean, the crowd was all about it. Right. Yeah, I remember Hamilton, he was just having like a little tiff with uh, Yuki for about five, six laps. He just couldn't mm-hmm. get past him. But um, mm-hmm. but as the degradation and the tires are wearing down on that Alpha Tori, you know, Lewis was able to make his moves yeah, um, and then get through the field after that. But um, it's just a great race overall. The only thing that I feel like, I, th- I feel like, and I don't want to get off subject, but it seems like the FIA and F1 have a race management problem. Yeah, there's there's always inconsistencies in these races, and we're always thinking, well, what if they did this or what if they did that? So, I mean, when it comes to safety cars and red flags and how they you know put those in place and when's the right time to do it, and um, you know, like even when the the yellow flag should be out, right? Because uh, we even saw that this weekend where the yellow didn't even come out. I think it was wasn't it signs that like passed. Um, past somebody the yellow flag wasn't even out where it should have been right um, you know things like that that it, they just need to tighten up on and like we talked about last week you know maybe they should consider shutting down the pit lane during um safety cars definitely uh, or just be consistent Look, yeah. can we just start off with some consistency i mean you know vettel he pulled off to the side of the road a vsc comes out right mm-hmm uh, Danny Rick pulls off to the side of the road. First of all, it takes, I would say, three or four laps for a like a utility vehicle to get to him to extract his car, which I thought was just a huge just mistake. But yeah. he, he got a safety car. So I'm trying to wonder what were the differences between, you know, what Danny Rick experienced versus what did Vettel experience and how it impacted the race. I just felt yeah. like that was a moment. Where I mean, I know that. I know that Vettel was parked, you know, obviously he was parked right by the access road. They could just right. grab him and pull him in there. And Ricardo was parked in between the two Lesmo corners, right? And yeah. there was like nowhere for his car to go. Um, but yeah, it just, it took, it took a long time for them to get there. And then it took a long time to run through the, the procedure, I guess, of, of what the safety car is supposed to do. And, um, and really what it kind of opens up is the whole like why did they just run through the whole safety car procedure in this race and how was that different from Abu Dhabi last year where Hmm. like that that is what they were supposed to do or what they you know not necessarily what they're supposed to do because of course the FIA does whatever they want but right but that's like pretty much what you would follow if you were saying like hey this is what it says in here we're gonna go ahead and just follow that because it's what the rules state and the teams all know what the rules are. There's no, you know, guesswork. Um, but in this instance, they were just like, okay, we're just going to follow this and we're going to run the safety car. And obviously they started, they were about to like let lapped cars through, but by that time the race is over. Um, right. 
So they couldn't even go like that extra lap to let the lapped cars through and all that stuff. I mean, it was, so they finish under, under safety car. Well, in, in that case, why, you know, who, who really would have benefited from having the red flag and, and was it worthy of a red flag? Did it need to be red flagged? I don't, I don't know that it did, but of course finishing under yellow is, is boring. It kind of like ruined the race. It had what? Five laps to go, right? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. And it might have been even more than that, honestly. Laps. But yeah, that's more than ten percent of the race. Yeah, it was lap forty-seven when Ricardo um, parked his car. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's so. approximately ten percent of the race. Under no circumstance, with ten percent of the race left, should you just just in my opinion, and I hope I don't, you know, eat my words later on. But we just shouldn't be ending under a safety car. Yeah. Yeah, and then and you know, depending on who you're a fan of. You know, obviously with Max, it's like, well, let there just let this thing just run out. He's in first, right. you know, and just give him the win. It's it's done. If you're anybody right. else, you're like, give give me a shot to win this race. Let's get this thing moving, um, which is pretty much what every other driver wanted. Right. Right. Max was was perfectly content with the safety car, you know, deciding the end of that race. And that was and and if they did that every time there was an incident like this then it would be fine. But the, the reality is they don't, they kind of, you know, make decisions one race at a time and, and uh, it's really inconsistent and that's where the fans kind of get upset. Yeah. I just think from my perspective, you know, we got to let strategy play out, you know, teams work hard trying to choose a strategy that they feel as if is going to be successful for their race weekend. I mean, it probably would have benefited if they red flagged it, it would have benefited, uh, science the most because I believe he was pulling 1.5 seconds a lap on Russell and probably optimistic su- to suggest, but he probably could have gotten Russell with a lap to go. And, yeah. and Russell was on the hards, right? Um, at that point, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Again, if you were to shut down the pit lane and not allow people to, you know, change tires and even under red flag conditions, if they red flag mm-hmm. the race, um, in the rules, you're allowed to work on the cars and change tires that, right. you know, and we've seen Lewis benefit, benefit from that. So obviously those races, it's like, oh, this is, this is awesome. He gets like this free, you know, tire change and everybody else gets shafted. And then there are times that he doesn't, you know, right. win over. So it, you can't sit here and be like, oh, you know, well, Lewis always benefits and we're both Lewis fans. Well, I'm a fan of F1 before I'm a fan of anybody. Right. So if the sport isn't fun to watch anymore, then you lose viewers, right? Like it's not necessarily about Lewis. It's just overall, I want to have fun watching formula one. Um, right. It's the inconsistencies that, that kind of ruin that. Yeah. And, and I, like I said last week, I alluded to the fact that this is a sport that's desperately trying to get into sports betting. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are making their predictions based off a of strategy we can't have a sport that reeks of fixing race fixing at any point in time a car smashes you know stops on the side of a road and basically neutralizes the race that could be that could put like a bad taste in people's mouths because you know i would hate Mm -hmm. for a strategy to have work let's just say i bet a thousand dollars on science being able to catch george for third Mm -hmm. you know but then some just miraculous situation comes about where 
you know, a car stops on the side of the road and we got to end under yellow. You just threw that all out the door and you can't consider strategy at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I just want, like you said, I just want more consistency and I want the race to not be predictable. However, I want to be able to feel confident in the decisions that I make before I place a bet, you know, and I want to say that, hey, I made this bet based off of these factors, X, Y, and Z. You know, um, we can't consistent. We can't keep trying to say to ourselves, hey, you know, what if this marshal doesn't carry out this rule? What if this official doesn't carry out this rule? Who knows, you know, when. Um, sorry. Yeah. My freaking computer just went out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I do agree that it's like it. I don't know about when it comes to the betting side. I mean, of course, it would be nice to to have like, um, you know, you don't have all these different things going on that might compromise what you know what decisions you made. But there's always going to be some kind of factor that's like, un you know, just being unlucky and yeah and things. But yeah, if you're if things are supposed to be a certain way and you go into it and you're like, okay, well, there's a safety car coming out. He's only going to be there for so much time, and well, this time. Um, they end up red flagging instead of, you know, last time they just ran a safety car or something, right? Like that's, it would just be nice to have a consistent rule yeah. be followed. What would have happened if Daniel would have crashed? Would they have red flagged it or safety card it? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, depending on how much damage was done to the track and how much debris was all over the track, if he had crashed, um, most likely they probably would have red flagged the race. Right. Right. If there was, you know, a pretty big amount of damage, they'd have to fix that, especially if they have to fix like walls. But why would they red flag that race? Um, you know, just because somebody crashed. Can't can't they fix these things while the cars are going around in circles? And would they red flag it just for the sake of um, getting racing again? Or would they red flag it because in the rules it says after a certain period you have to red flag a race, or if there's a certain amount of damage you have to red flag the race? I'm not sure exactly what that rule is, but if they just get to decide whether or not they go racing again, that's that's too inconsistent. That's just putting the the outcome of the race in somebody else's hands. Right. Um, which yeah, I don't I don't know if that's fair. I don't know. We got to dig more into that, man, mm-hmm. and maybe get some different opinions from race car drivers team managers agents stuff of that sort that that's a good point um that we got to further we got to dig into a little bit more yeah yeah and so george managed russell managed to give mercedes another podium finish him and the team are doing everything they can to pull off second place in the constructors and uh and red bull pretty much have this thing locked up um you know and and uh yeah max can close out this championship next weekend at Singapore. Um, uh, two weekends from now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if he if he outscores Leclerc by 14 points, it's over. Right. Right. Um, and still five races to go, so that's pretty huge. Right. It's pretty huge. But, uh, How do you think this will swing in Perez's favor? You know, if, if you know, we often see like these drivers – most recent, you know, Hamilton, let's just say, you know, when he would win, right? Mm-hmm. And he would lock down a championship. Couldn't you say confidently that sometimes 
the team would maybe take their emphasis off of him and put it to the second driver? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably a good point. I guess it depends on his overall pace. If he's like worthy of Max helping him on track, right? Like if he can keep up enough, Max is not going to give up a win and he's not going to, you know, back off to help his teammate. But maybe the team can kind of get behind Perez a little bit and say, hey, we want to make your car a little bit better. Let's make you a little more comfortable and confident and see if we can pull a one-two overall. Um, Right. But really, I mean, it's been known in the past that these these teams don't care as much about the the driver championship. (laughs) It's all about the constructors. Um, Right. And uh, and Red Bull's mentality, I don't think is um, let's help somebody other than our number one guy. You know, so I don't know. It'd be interesting. I mean, Perez is he's nine points down on second place right now. So he he has to beat Leclerc. But he really hasn't been able to do that this year unless there's, you know, mistakes by Ferrari or mistakes by Leclerc. But on pace, Perez doesn't always have it. He's not he's not really up there. He's he's only 9 points down. I mean, it's not like he's that far back, but he's 125 points down on his teammate in the same car. Speaking of mistakes from Ferrari, do you think it was a, a mistake for Ferrari to pick pit Leclerc? And throw him onto the softs. Well, looking at it now, yeah, I would say so. I think they really gave up a lot. I mean, he had he had a decent lead. I think they were just assuming that Max was going to catch up and his tires were going to go off by the time Max got there and he wouldn't be able to play defense. But it's always hard to look back and say, you know, you should have done something else. Of course you're going to say that. Um, but it, it definitely made it really clear right after his pit stop you know, you watch like the next three, four laps, he was not making up any ground. Right. So, so yeah, at that moment it was like, man, I can't believe they did this to him. They, you know, they just threw away the win, um, or the chance at the win. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they went racing again, he had, you know, everybody had a chance. Yeah. It just seemed like that soft took a while to kind of kick in. Yeah. You know, yeah. we saw the same thing on Hamilton's car, you know, when he was fitted for the mm-hmm. softs. It took him a while to make uh, any type of gain on Perez at that time who was ahead of him. Perez did stop and throw some softs on, um, relegating him to, what, six, I think he got, or seventh? No, Perez did finish in sixth. Lando finished seventh. Oh, okay. Gasly was eighth, and DeVries was ninth. Guan Yuzhou was tenth. Bet. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, a, of course, a big mix-up at the end of the race, and nobody knew what was going to happen. You know, guys were coming in and pitting. Max ended up getting the free pit stop. <clears throat> and, right. uh, yeah, it just made it easy, you know, to close out that win and get out of that race. And Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. I mean, Perez did get fastest lap, so he... Um, I think he stole that from Leclerc. Wow. Yeah, I just think those softs took a little while to just kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's because of lo- the low degradation element of the track. Uh, tires really weren't wearing down as hard during this race um, because it's basically all straights, right? Yeah, a lot of braking. A lot of acceleration, a lot of braking. Um, but really no like heavy corners. I mean, Parabolica is about the only one that's really um, right. really aggressive. Right. Um, I mean, the Lesmos are fast corners, but they're in and out you're you're in and out of there so fast 
But uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, aside from the the way that it ended, it was it was just another good race that turned into like a pretty boring ending. Um, Definitely. But but still, there's five races. Well, there's six races left, and uh, we're going to Singapore next week, two weeks from now. Um, and I think that's going to be a fun a fun race to watch. I, I don't know that. I don't know that Mercedes will be able to hang on, even though it's it's a pretty high downforce track. Um, yeah, but it's bumpy. It's yeah, yeah, but who's really good on all the bumps? Red Bull. Red Bull's car Definitely. is like the best over any kind of like terrain. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, like all that testing, running in a Red Bull F1 car on the dirt and and uh, snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You know they use yeah. it for something, right? They have yeah. to. Yeah, so, it looks like a Ferrari versus Red Bull show, I think. You know, yeah. with hopefully a Mercedes can sneak on the podium. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's I there's I, definitely a you know big chance of drama in the first lap because Singapore is kind of a tight turn one. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but but yeah, so far the standings. At this point, after Monza, Max is leading with 335, Leclerc 219, Perez nine points down on Leclerc with 210, and then Russell is right behind that, only seven points down on Perez. Um, so it's really a, a race for second at this point. Um, Definitely. Sainz is 187, and Hamilton has 168. And then, again, constructors, Red Bulls just dominating 545 to 406 with Ferrari. And Mercedes, only thirty-five points down. So I mean, they're still quite a ways back, but really, you know, one race can turn that around real quick. Yep. So, or one shitty strategy by Ferrari can yeah, honestly. easily, easily elevate Mercedes into second. Yeah, and I think Mercedes has become a little more consistent with um, with their point scoring. So, you know, maybe they close out this year with second place and jump the Ferrari squad. We'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, I think they've been on that podium for the last, what, seven races, if I'm not mistaken? I believe so. Have you seen any um, any new driver moves? Uh, we, we haven't seen anything, only speculation. I think the question is now, where does Nick DeFries go? Yeah, where is he going? And, and uh, you know, what are the teams looking for with, you know, with his driving talent and, um, you know, what he brings to the table? I don't know. I have this funny feeling he's going to go to Alpine. So you think he'll jump in that seat that, uh, I mean, Ga- I know Gasly was kind of hunting for that one, right? Yeah, but it seemed like that shut down. Ocon doesn't want him. <laughs> <laughs> that does have a lot to do with the, the um, decision-making in the teams, it's making sure the drivers are happy. But Yeah, if you're, if you're following the papers, it, you know, it's kind of been quiet on that end. Mm-hmm. And um, you know Toto's relationships with a few of the team principals in the paddock. I think he has a huge relationship with Otmar. Uh, do you think it's possible he can influence that move? Oh, I think he can influence about anything. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's like he's also an extremely uh, like talented businessman, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's not only you know thinking about the drivers. He's, it's it's still a business at the end of the day. So yeah, him talking with anyone about all of that stuff is is always going to be, um, you know, his strong suit. Right. 
take this kid, kind of put him under like a Max Verstappen plan, right? You know, where Max Verstappen spent just one season at the uh, Red Bull Junior team. And then in 2016, when Kofiat was just having such a horrible time, you know, basically got kicked to the curb, right? Yeah, real quick, too. <laughs> it, I mean, it was almost like an overnight decision. Just, you know yeah. what, we're done. You drop down there, Max, you come up here, and, and he wins, you know, on debut, which is, that was awesome. But, uh, right. yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the game, man. He's We'll see how Nick can do, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about him after what he did this past weekend at Monza, and, you know, see if he can find himself a seat for next year. Right. Yeah, so what about well, Ricardo? Dude, I think it's over. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like it is. I mean, it's a shame. And sad for him, of course, the car, his car broke down this weekend. Um, but, man, bummer for him. Only six races left, possibly, in his career in F1. Yeah, I, at least in the short term, I think it's over. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do believe we talked about last week uh, about a possible move to him going to Mercedes as a reserve driver. Yeah which I'm not in total disagreement with that. I think that's a great move if he has no other plans going for him. Yeah, well, jumping in Mercedes and being a reserve driver for them, knowing that Hamilton is, you know, I don't think there's been any hint from from Hamilton himself or, or anybody around him that he's going to be retiring. But for Ricardo to go over there and, and just kind of hang out um, and be there for when that move happens. Kind of get his mojo back, right? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe him being in a team like that would be good for him. Right. Get a lot of simulator work. Mm-hmm. Um, get a few FP1 appearances. You know, get to develop the car alongside Russell and Hamilton. I think that would be great in kind of like resurrecting his career. And if by chance Hamilton decides to step down at the end of the 2023 season, up goes Ricardo. Yeah, well. And if you got your top if, Mercedes if they driver. they him in that seat, right? Like there's no guarantee just because you're a reserve driver that you're getting the seat, but there isn't any guarantee. However, I do think that that will open up. If that doesn't open up the Mercedes opportunity, I do believe it will open up opportunities with competing teams. It might open up another, you know, opportunity at Alpine. You know, I think they would look at him as a valuable driver, you know, like, Hey, you got this guy who's been developing a 2023 title contending car, you know, let's take some of his knowledge. Let's take some of his skills and, you know, potentially upgrade our team. I think it's a great move for him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see how that one plays out. I mean, hopefully he stays in F1. He's always going to be like, you know, a good face in F1. Right. He just needs to smile again. Like everybody is saying, right. They don't see him smile anymore. He's had a lot of pressure on him over the years and unfortunately really hasn't been delivering the way that everybody uh talks him up you know yeah but yeah we'll see we'll see so what about mick where's uh where's mick gonna go this year is he gonna stick around at at haas did we talk about this last week about mick possibly going to sauber (laughs) and i say sauber i don't say (laughs) alfa romeo i say sauber (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's the possibility of that, but nothing has been locked down yet with that. And then now there's like rumors of um, Nico Hulkenberg going to going to Haas. Haas. Um, so him like coming out, <laughs> I, it's it's a little crazy to bring somebody back that's been gone. You know, he's been in and out, but 
Um, I I don't know. I, I don't know that Hulkenberg is is the driver for that seat. I mean, if Mick's not going to Alpha Romeo, um, obviously he's most likely going to stick around at Haas, right? Yeah. So, but I just have this gut feeling that that he's going to Sauber. And guys, you see how I'm saying Sauber, <laughs> Sauber. I I think if not if not this year, by the end of next year, you won't see Alpha uh, in the paddock anymore. You think I just so? don't think you will. Yeah, I think that's Audi's going to start coming in hard. Um, you know, they have an agreement. Mm-hmm. They're going to start coming in hard, and that would be a great opportunity for Mick, German car, uh, German car maker, German race car driver. Well, let's talk about another German car maker real quick because Porsche was supposed to be joining Red Bull, right? Yeah. And and it was almost like instant when there was this controversy um, at Red Bull with all you know the race last weekend at Zandvoort. At Zandvoort, it was, yeah. it was it was almost like immediately after that, Porsche decided they don't want to be a part of it anymore. I'm sure it had nothing to do with that, and it probably decisions were probably made long before, but. But the way the media came out with it, it almost seemed like, you know, drama at Zandvoort, Porsche is out of Red Bull. Yeah. And, I mean, we it, can look at that multiple ways. Yeah, I mean, I I think Porsche, it, it almost seems like they're just like, you know what, this, this goes against our brand and we're not really, um, you know, I, I won't say like Porsche is not an extreme sport brand kind of person. Uh, or, or kind of they're um, classy you know they're, they, yeah they are they're, they're a classy organization right and they perform at a really really high level which Red Bull performs really high but they're like they're not classy they're, they're, they're crazy <laughs> they're crazy yeah yeah they drink gasoline <laughs> yeah bro yeah, I don't know that was unfortunate you know we were kind of looking forward to uh, just all the potentials that would come from a Porsche Red Bull uh, uh, marriage, if you will. Um, it's just unfortunate, you know. But hey, that's the business, right? But Christian did say they got a lot of interest from other manufacturers. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, it will be nice to have the Porsche name in Formula One one day, and and having Audi in there is going to be really nice too. Um, right. I, I think. I mean, branding alone is going to be just massive for both of those companies um but yeah man i I think i think we kind of broke through the whole f1 thing today and and i mean we we know about the whole race at monza things kind of went a little crazy at the end and was kind of boring and sad to watch but what do you think all wrapped up with f1 you ready to move into sim racing yeah let's do it all right so after watching a weekend full of of racing and uh a little pressure from Phil. I've finally um, pulled the trigger on some more PC parts. So at this point, I'm only, I'm really only like one part away. It's like the most important part, of course, but it's the video card that I need to order for for the computer, and then I'll be uh, fully built and ready to get back on iRacing. Love and, it. Uh, yeah. So so I picked up a um, like liquid cooling system. I got the processor. I got some storage and RAM, and yeah, just need to grab that video card. So we'll see. Maybe another week or two I'll pick that up and then get back into it. Which video card are you looking at? So I looked at the 3070 Ti, which mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not the, the tech guy when it comes to all these things, but 
looking at all the different numbers and what this one's worth and what that one's worth and what they do and how they operate, all that stuff, I'm not, I'm not the guy to talk to about it. But I do know that um, the prices really haven't changed since like last year when I first started looking at this stuff. They're, they're still, still really expensive. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that, I mean, that was just one of the, one of the cards that I was looking at and we'll see kind of when the time comes, maybe next week, I'll, I'll make a decision on which one I'm going to order. Do you think you'll eventually go to a triple monitor setup? I would love to have a triple monitor setup. I think initially I'll probably just, um, well, I'll start out just racing on the TV I have down in the basement, but, um, jumping onto like an ultra wide monitor. I think I would, I would like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I have like limited vision on the right side. <laughs> so, <laughs> so having a triple monitor might not even really work that well for me anyway. Um, but I, I, yeah. I mean, I've raced in Sims with a triple monitor and you know, it's always the, the immersion is there. It's really cool. Um, right. But really, if you have, if you have like a, you know, if your sound is really good and you have, you know, you basically have 360 sound, right? When you're playing any kind of game. So yeah. you can hear the car coming from behind you if you have the right sound set up. Um, you can hear which side he's on. You can hear your rumble strips as you're running over and, you know, hear the, the tires squealing in different sides of the car. You can hear all of that. Um, so I think in sim racing, I use more sound than just visual. Um, right. But speaking of that real quick, Martin Brundle said something that kind of caught my attention and he was saying how, um, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Leclerc or maybe Perez. Somebody was sliding through the Ascari chicane and he was talking about how, um, you don't respond based on your vision. It's more like your, like your body just feels the car sliding and you react mm -hmm. before you even see anything. It's like, like your natural gyroscope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's more of like your, um, yeah, exactly. So, so that kind of caught my attention and I was just thinking like, man, yes, yeah, like in sim racing, you don't have the luxury of that. You don't, you don't feel the car slide with your body. You do in your hands because you right. feel the steering wheel kind of change. You feel the steering wheel get light. Um, and the force feedback kind of works against you and it's, it's all there to help, you know, help you get that feeling, but you don't get it in your body unless you're in a full motion rig which you can only simulate that to a certain extent right um but it really is like there's so much that goes into um you know learning how to drive on a sim versus learning how to drive doing the real thing and i do uh, think there are trade-offs though a lot of the old heads don't like it because they don't see the trade-off uh, but i think there are a lot of trade-offs you know like your senses you know let's let's look at it like this god forbid let's just say you go you go blind right Mm -hmm. You go blind. You have that one sense. You can't use it anymore. But guess what happens to your other senses? They, yeah, they get enhanced. Of, yeah, exactly. You know, and I, and I think that's kind of like the thing with sim racing. You know, we might not have that seat of the, seat of the pants feel, uh, you know, that natural gyroscope or whatever the hell Brundle said. But I do think there are some other elements, you know, other senses that we have that get enhanced and mm -hmm. um, that are direct trade overs to real racing. So it, yeah. sim racing will definitely continue to be like a, a solid component to any development of or to the development of any race car driver. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's been proven over the years of how how fast some of these younger guys are these days. 
um, you know, having experience coming from sim racing and then stepping into a real car, it, it really does make all the difference to, um, to at least get some kind of knowledge when it comes to racing rather than just going into um, a race weekend or, or even just a track day without any experience whatsoever. Right. So tell us about well, um, some. some of your races. Yeah, let's hear about some of your recent races. Yeah, I've been on iRacing this weekend, or this past week. Uh, we just concluded the 13th week of the season. Uh, the 13th week, 13th week of an iRacing season is just like a, a down period. It's where it's where we transition from one season to another season. In that moment, they're just making updates on the system. They're adding new cars, maybe updating tracks, making things a little bit better. Uh, so during the 13th week, your points, your safety rating, nothing is really compromised. You can have a bad race, crash into a car by accident, and you're not going to lose anything. And I use that opportunity to just experiment with new classes of cars. And I must say, I fell in love with the Lotus 79. Yeah, what an awesome car. But it's, like, what do you love about that thing? What, how does it, how does it uh, differ from like the IR04 car that you've been driving? The IR04 or the F4 car is, is an amazing car. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. It's nimble. Um, but you got to baby it a little bit. You got to be really, uh, it's, it's for me, it's been slightly difficult under the braking. You got to, for me, I have to be gentle with it. Uh, my driving style is a little bit harsh sometimes. But with that Lotus 79, man, you can just throw it into corners and it 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 induces slide it's like for it to be fast you have to slide it and you have to throttle out of corners you're going to go into a corner with a lot of understeer you got to try to quickly rotate it as much as possible you got to carry as much speed through the middle point of the corner as possible and get on the gas and try to get that tail to whip around if not you're going to stay in understeer and i don't know maybe that's what my driving style is i really haven't defined it yet but um i can say that that car and I are like a match made in heaven, at least so far. Yeah. So does that handle, um, you know, obviously much faster, I'm sure, but but does that handle similar to like the Yellow Bird, right? Like the classic Porsche 911 that um, that is like really slidey in the rear. Um. Yay and nay. I would say more on the on the nay side because the Yellow Bird didn't have the benefit of downforce Mm -hmm. this car has so much downforce it's almost like you can depend on it more you can trust it a little bit more that yellow bird you couldn't trust it yeah yeah that thing just loves really sideways (laughs) yeah you can trust this car um, yeah and and it's just really fun the sounds are great you know you have that Cosworth DFV in the back Uh, just a very very uh, I would say immersive experience driving that car that's awesome. Probably the first, yeah, man. It's probably the first time I felt totally comfortable. So, what do you think? Do you are you going to run a series in that car? Yeah, I'm going to try. Yeah, nice. I think the only thing that's holding me back is is that I I often don't have a lot of time to experiment with things. Um, I like so I basically been doing a fixed series in F3, F4, things of that sort because I just don't have time to tune. Um, but this is like a tuning only series. So if you want to be quick, you're going to have to know a few things about, you know, tuning the car and how to get the best out of the car to compete at a high level. Um, but there are some tools available to me. Um, 
where I can perhaps download certain uh, profiles and iRacing setups, things that I sort play around with it, and maybe just broaden my understanding of iRacing as a whole. And, and maybe this is just an exercise for me to be a better race car driver. That's what it is. Yeah, good opportunity for that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so what is the the next race for you then? Well, I still haven't really decided um, if I'm going to fully commit to the Lotus 79. Um, but luckily for the F4 races or the IRO4 races, as iRacing calls it, and the Lotus 79, we're at Monza this week. Nice. So um, I'll probably make the decision by maybe the end of the day or tomorrow whether or not I want to stay or go um, in the 79 series. But we'll see. What what um, days are these races held on? Are these they- races are they're every day. Gotcha. They're, you, you know, they're every day. But if you want to build points, iRacing only counts your first three racing or your first three races um, against your championship total. Okay. Yeah. And are they taking um, are they taking the best out of those three races or are they taking one or are they taking all three or they're taking all three. Gotcha. And it's only your first three. Only your first three. So you better be up to speed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good to know. But you want to know what's crazy, though? Everybody develops at the same rate, if that makes any sense. Um, You know, our acclimation towards the track our you know our speed you know whether you're a low level or a high level we kind of all develop throughout the race week at the same rate um so yeah i think it just matches out yeah yeah well i think we're going to be getting team racing goons fired up here soon on iRacing. Um, long overdue yeah right and uh we'll be working on a sim racing schedule we're going to team up against some of the best sim racers in the world. And um, the races will include like the 24 hours of Daytona, the 12 hours of Sebring. Man, there's there's so many more endurance races that we can be a part of um, in all kinds of different classes as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to take me a lot of practice to get up there at, at <laughs> running at, um, at your pace, I'm sure, kind of getting used to the, the feel. Um, so listen, y'all, Tommy is full of shit. Tommy is quick. Okay, it won't take him long. He is a natural racer. He's great on the sim. It it won't take him long at all to get up to speed. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's gonna take me a little while to get up to your speed, though. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, wait till look. Wait till you see how fast some of these other guys are. You're gonna be like, yeah. what the hell? It ain't about me anymore. It's about these guys. No, I know that. <laughs> I mean, just the races that I've done on iRacing. Um, you know, like last year or whenever it was that I was on there, or earlier this year maybe, um, mm-hmm. man, there were some guys that, uh, they're so far ahead of me on, on pace. Um, and that's how it is on Grand Turismo as well and, and other things too. I'm, I can be fast. I'm not the fastest guy on, um, you know, on any sim that I've raced on. Um, but getting, getting up to speed and putting the time in, if I can find that time and, and actually do that, then yeah, sure, I can be up there. But uh, yeah, certainly not, um, you know, not anywhere beyond what you've been capable of recently. And you've been you've been running up there with the top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah but, so. but it, you know what, though? It takes a lot of practice, though. So, yeah, you does. know, when we make this next step and develop our racing goons uh, uh, race team, sim race team, you know, we're going to have to practice a lot. Yeah. You know, um, because we're, we're both very competitive. And I know we don't want to get in a race and lose. You know, I don't <sighs> think we just want to no. be participants. I think we want to do well, man. Yeah. And, of course, first you kind of do just need to be a participant of – of a series and of a race and everything. I'd rather be in a race than crash out. Right. So right. I'd rather take the full time and be able to enjoy it um, and kind of learn as we go. And it's not until I get to the point where I'm really consistent that I feel, okay, now I can kind of fight for wins. Um, like when I spent some time in the Miata, um, it wasn't like I was fast right out of the gate. I ended up doing so many practice sessions and kind of learning some other lines, what other guys were doing and then adjusting for myself. And then I was up there running. I would, I did run a couple. Um, I guess they were in like the second, what do you call the, um, the groups? Like I wasn't in the, 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 the splits. Yeah. I wasn't in the first split. I, I might've been top split once. Um, but I would finish kind of like down towards the end of those groups. Um, yeah. But like second split and third split, I mean, in, in the spec Miata races, there were so many people racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it, one of the most popular series. Yeah. But it's yeah. a lot of fun when you get it right, for sure. Yeah. On the road racing side, the Miata is one of the most popular series in there. You'll see the most registration signups per, mm-hmm. um, per like, split series or whatever like yeah. that um it's fun yeah so we'll have to um we'll get our schedule together and we'll kind of coordinate with everybody that's listening and see if anybody wants to join the team and and get out there with us we can open up practice sessions and uh just get out on track together yeah looking forward to that sharing information just getting each other better yeah yeah working no. together is, is going to be fun you know, maybe we'll have shows on, you know, studying telemetry a little bit, trying to get into that, you know, trying to kind of nail down our breaking points, you know, maybe go through a full detailed VRS session where we're just saying, hey, the top guy is breaking at 100 meters. We're breaking at 105 meters and just getting better. Yeah. Time to step it up. I'd, it would be nice to um, kind of just focus on iRacing for quite a while and, and spend the time to um, get all that practice because it really does make a difference. See how good we can really get. Yeah. Why don't we jump into su- to, um, some listener questions here? Yeah. So one of them on the uh, whole sim racing line, um, what driving rig do I need to get on iRacing? And we've already kind of talked about that stuff. Philippe has the Track Racer TR80, um, which is like an extruded aluminum build, and it's, it's solid. It's really nice. Or you could go with um, kind of a basic build that was more custom like mine where I just threw some steel together with a friend of mine and we welded some things and got a cheap seat um, so you have options there There's a lot, if you search driving rig or sim racing rig or any of that stuff um, there are some cheap options So yeah but I love the track racer though man I mean it was a little expensive but at the end of the day I look back it was worth it um, the way they package everything, the way the instructions are labeled, everything is labeled. It's just easy to put together. It's easy to just spend a day, maybe six hours, putting that thing together, and you know you have a rig that's probably going to stand the test of time. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's on my list for sure. I gotta, 
I'd like to get myself one as well. And, um, and I don't know if uh, we've, I think we have mentioned this, that Racing Goons is part of the affiliate program with Track Racer. So if you guys yes. want to get anything from Track Racer, um, we'll put a link in the description and um, you guys can use code Racing Goons when you check out and, and get yourself something from them. That's dope, man. Yeah, man. We love these guys. It's all good stuff. You want, you want to get in some fantasy? Yeah, let's do it. I lost. <laughs> yeah go for it well hey um we had a pretty good week um i'm just pulling mine up at the moment uh colin last week beat me out elevated himself the first he had a pretty good week uh yeah but this week i saw he was only like 600 and some points right yeah, but he had a couple DNFs, though, and, and mm-hmm. some of these things are just, you know, uncontrollable. I mean, the Astons sure. kind of let him down this week. Yeah. Uh, and I feel bad. You know, I, you know, I kind of thought the Astons would have done well at this track. So, I mean, I do believe he made a great choice in choosing them. The team just let him down. Sure. Um, if they would have finished the race, man, he, he would have been up there. But, hey, it's like that sometimes. Uh, but I elevated back to first place. I scored 912 points um, throughout this race weekend, beating Tommy, who scored 805 points. So you owe me a mile and 100 push-ups. Yeah, I got to get to work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, with six races to go, man, I mean, it's still hey, it's pretty not, tight. It's not over. It is, it is actually pretty tight. I'm down by 217 yeah. points. Yeah. So. I'm not anything can happen. Yeah. Which in, which in grid rival is not, it's not terrible. Um, right. I just need you to have a couple bad races and I need to have a couple good races and we're good. Yeah. Back yeah, in it. Yeah. Back yeah. in it. Well, you guys are all welcome to join us in the, uh, racing goons grid rival league. And, uh, once again, that'll be in, in the description as well. You can click on that link and, and go check it out. Yeah. We look forward to it. Remember you beat us. If you come out on top, you get a shirt. Yeah, well, at this point, anybody anybody that beats us, right? <laughs> First person, whoever, shirt. actually, you know what? Anybody that beats us gets a shirt. How about that? And then first place overall will get a shirt as well. Right. Um, All right. Man, yeah. It's tight. It's tight. We'll see what happens. There are still basically, you know, with six races left, anybody can win this thing. Right. I have a strategy I'm going to use that I'm not going to talk about at the moment, but we'll see. I'm trying to come out on top and stay on top. The value of your team is 113 million. Everybody else is like right around 100. (laughs) You've got a rock star team. Well, I'll tell you in short, that was the strategy was just to get as much money as possible. So in the last four or five races, I can buy the, the heavy hitters. Yeah. Yeah, that was my strategy. Well, good luck to you. I don't want to lose <laughs> Anything again. Anything can happen, though. Anything <laughs> can happen, though. Oh, man. All right, well, what do you say? You want to wrap this thing up? Let's wrap it up. All right. All right, ladies and gents, thanks so much for being here with us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. F1's going to be back on September 30th to start the weekend at uh, Marina Bay Street Circuit um, in Singapore, so don't miss that one. 
And um, you can connect with us on Twitter at Racing Goons, Instagram at Racing Goons Media, join our Racing Goons Grid Rival League, and um, just click on the link in the podcast description. Go ahead, Phil. Take it from here. All right. I actually was going to take the second one, but it's all good. (laughs) 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 All right. If you guys are looking for a driving rig components, don't forget to check out Track Racer. Great products, great support. And thanks again for listening. I'm Phil. And I'm Tommy. And that's it for another episode of the Racing Goons Podcast. All right, I'll see you.